have we got an epic episode for you. Today we are chatting with the incredible Sharon Casey, who is an absolute trailblazer in the world of radio, especially here in New Zealand, where she features on the Edge Afternoons every single weekday. So when you hear her, and if you're an Edge listener, it'll be so familiar to you, except today we get to go deeper. Today we get to go beyond the entertainment of the radio, and we get to learn more about Sharon Casey, her life, her career journey, what it's taken from her to get to this level of success within her career. And we also speak about challenges as well, the things that can come up for all of us, whether you're in a career that you hate or whether you're like Sharon and you are literally living your dream every day. Now, I wanted to get Sharon on the show, one, because she was actually my first mentor in radio. I'm so grateful I had the opportunity to work with her and to learn from her. And two, because she is literally living her dream. And she has been for a really long time. And I want to have Sharon share what it's like, what it feels like, what it, you know, how it vibes inside your cells to be in a career that you love. Because I want to show you that this is absolutely possible for you. I hope that you love this episode. If you're new here, hey, welcome. I'm Janelle Hosking, a career coach for employees and self-employed people as well. That's fun. And if you're an employee wanting to get into self-employment, perfect. You are in the place for you. So let's get into the episode. I hope you love it as much as I loved recording it. I'm Janelle Hosking and you beautiful are here to get confident. No more self-doubt, no more overthinking, no more what ifs. I'm helping you grow your confidence so you can live a fulfilled life. Welcome to the show. This is just wild. Like having one, being on a Zoom together and, you know, seeing your face, what feels like <laughs> in person, even though we're online for the first time <laughs> in a really long time. And I'm very lucky that in my early career, I had the privilege of being able to work in the same building as you. That's where you and I got to <laughs> meet each other at the edge in Auckland way back in like 2013. 13, 14 ish. Whoa. I know, it's right? So long ago. <laughs> so long ago. And I, I'm really happy to have you on the show. You know, I, I, when I think back to those times, you hands down were my mentor, someone who I looked up to, someone who I aspired to be like. And, you know, you got to give me my first ever ear check. And <laughs> for those of you who don't know, in the radio world, an ear check is essentially where somebody listens to your work, somebody listens to some voice breaks, and then they critique you. They tell you what was crap, what was good. And you were just always so kind. And I'll never forget one thing you shared with me was all about your tone of voice and how, you know, in terms of audio, it sounds better if we can talk a little bit lower. And I have since for the past 10 years, just to let you know, been complimented very much about my voice. So thank oh, you, Sharon Casey, for making that oh, happen. 
Wow, that's all you, babes. It's all you. <laughs> And that's advice I stole from Leon, our boss. So I got you. <laughs> so good. And I think o- over the years as well, obviously there came a time where I, I left Auckland, went down to Manawatu, was on the breakfast show down there. And anytime I needed advice, whether it was about career or about boys, <laughs> you were always such a dream. And I remember having phone calls with you and you're just like, Amazing. So I just wanted to, you know, extend a little thanks to you for that one. And also thank you for being on the show today. Oh, I wouldn't, uh, I know it was, it took us a while to get here. Thanks to my sicko kids and getting pneumonia and, and things like that. But um, I'm so proud of you and there's no way that I uh, wouldn't have jumped on your podcast. I feel very imposter syndrome when um, people say things like that to me, because to me, I'm like, that's what you do. Like you help. Um, but yeah, that it's um I don't know how to put into words hearing that is everything. Like mm-hmm. that means more to me than like I think you realize that's the kind of the that's the legacy I kind of want to leave. And mm-hmm. like to hear to hear people say that is mm-hmm. like it means a lot. So I appreciate mm-hmm. that. It's Thank really kind. You. Yeah, it's really kind. Course. Oh my gosh, I feel like we're getting emotional. We haven't even started. I know. Sheesh. <laughs> We've got this, I believe in us. Okay. Okay. We're in. Now, I've always seen you as someone who is out there, like doing the thing, living her dream life, especially in terms of career. And I mean, you've been doing this thing for a really long time. So I would love to start just to give some context to the ladies listening. Like, when did you know that radio or that media was going to be the path for you? When I was a kid, I used to love, you'll be much too young, uh, but I used to love Rick D's in the weekly top 40. And I used to love listening to it on a Saturday you Google him. He was basically the first internationally syndicated radio announcer. He would do a weekly top 40 countdown. Every massive celebrity he would have on his show every weekend. It was the show that musicians and celebrities wanted to be interviewed on. Mm -hmm. It was huge. Mm -hmm. And all around the world, they would play this countdown and I would listen to it and be like, oh my God, did you hear that new song that Rick D's? I learned how to shave my legs by listening to a Q&A segment on Rick no. D's. And I loved it. Anyway, so I would have been probably like eight years old and I started trying to do my own Rick D's. And I loved it. And I would record them on my, my dad used to have a dictaphone. He works and mm-hmm. um, he used to work in banking and he would, like dictaphone his um I'm just trying to find this video to play you um and he would dictaphone me uh like his things that his secretary would then type down yes. and I stole his dictaphone and I did an entertainment news segment and I've got a copy of it and it's mortifying <laughs> um but that's how far back my interest in radio goes which also cracks me up because now I do scandal every day, like entertainment mm. news. Mm. And um, I basically do this whole segment about how um, Rachel Hunter went to a party and did a massive fart and Rod Stewart got mad at her. And it's very embarrassing, but also it was just, 
at that time, I was like, oh my God, I'd love to be a radio announcer. I was obsessed with Baza Ross and the Morning Pirate who were on um, the radio in Timaru. But it was a job that I never thought you could actually do. Mm. It was like how I always wanted to be a pop star. But it's just, you know, one of those things that, I don't know, doesn't happen to normal people. Um, and then I was working at an Edge Fest and I loved the Edge. Like I remember hearing the Edge for the first time in the car park at the Palms in Christchurch. And um, I just loved it. And it was when mm-hmm. it just first launched and I would, would have been 13. Wow. And so I was working at an Edge Fest because I was working for Sounds, the music store at the time. Mm-hmm. And because I'd left school when I was 15, my goal was to manage a music store. I wanted to do something with music, own my own music store, had this grand plan of opening a place called Bergzik where people would come and get burgers and music. Such a um, Sharon thing. I know. <laughs> it would have done terribly in this climate. Um, but I, I worked at this uh, Edge Fest and the sounds marketing manager at the time, Sean Joyce, who's passed away now, um, he said to me when he saw JJ, Mike and Dom, on stage, he was like, oh my God, you could do that. He was like, you would be so good at that. And I was like, oh, I don't even know how you would do that. And he told me about this radio school in Wellington. And so I looked it up. I applied the next day. And about four days later, I found out that I'd been accepted. And that was like the start of the journey. And I think I've just been so lucky that from day one, I've always had people that believed in me. And when Mm. I didn't believe in myself would be like, Hey, come on, you can do better than that. And, um, that's always, you know, my parents, my family, but also, um, like people within the industry. So that's been something that I want to pass on to other people. I love that. Having, having mentors, having a good circle of influence around you, people who support you and can see the light in you that you can't seeing yourself is so powerful for us. And I mean, imagine where our lives would be without that, you know, it'd yeah. probably be a lot of just settling. Now, this is epic that you knew so young, the gist of what you wanted to do. And I want to share or, or at least touch on some of the journey because I remember when I was working with you, I was working seven days a week. I was working my ass off doing promotions. I was doing traffic, sort of, you know, Auckland, Wellington, Christchurch, accidents on the road. That was literally my job to find the accidents and share them on the radio. And then on the weekends, I was doing on air on the edge. And it was full on stressful, exhausting, but so much fun and so worth it. And I feel like, I mean, it's been 10 years, but a lot of people seem to just want to decide they want something and then tomorrow they should have it. And if they don't, well, what's wrong with the world kind of thing. Yeah. Can you share some of the journey and hopefully make me feel like I'm not alone and actually having to work <laughs> for what you want? Nah, you definitely are. It's um. So when I first started, I was working for More FM in the Wired Upper. I did the breakfast show. And then I was also a promo coordinator for More FM solid gold which is another sound radio live which doesn't exist anymore and more fm i don't know there was like four brands i had to look after mm-hmm. and i had to work um i was on a six-day contract back then they signed you on six-day contracts mm-hmm. um so i had to work six days a week and most of the time it ended up being seven mm-hmm. uh for no extra money i earned twenty one thousand dollars a year damn i don't know how the <laughs> Fuck, I survived on that, honestly. Living in Masterton where your rent was a hundred bucks a week really helped. True. Um, 
and that was it was a real mental battle like go into that um to go in straight into the industry and having to work so much mm-hmm. there was no time to be um to balance out your seesaw it was really hard to be a 20 year old doing 20 year old things mm-hmm. and having to make a big decision at at 20 of well more so when I moved to Auckland but trying to figure out how like if I wanted to pursue a career in announcing I can't full send it every weekend like you know and and figuring that out took a while um and that's a really natural thing but I'd always had it instilled in me if you want something you have to work really really hard for it and anytime someone told me that I couldn't do something and to this day if someone tells me I can't do something I'm like oh well watch me and is this then, a game <laughs> yeah and and I, and that's always been my work ethic like I remember as a kid my uh my dad because we're three girls my siblings and I and um from day one my dad taught us how to do like a stern handshake he's like you never ever shake someone's hand like a fish like stern handshake Mm -hmm. so that they take you seriously our parents taught us to type properly um my dad would bring home a computer from work and we we knew how to type not looking at a keyboard before we were 10 like wow because and, and they were and you know my sister had her first I had my first job when I was 13 my other sisters you know we were just kind of it was instilled in us that if you want something mm-hmm. you need to work for it if you want flash clothes you need to work for it if you want you know mum wasn't going to buy us a billabong top if we wanted a billabong <laughs> top you wait for Christmas or you pay off a layby. Mm-hmm. and um so I think we always had that instilled in us um, but I also just really enjoyed working and like achieving something. Mm. But the mentality you're talking about is a hundred percent a thing. And then um, it used to frustrate the fuck out of me because people would come out of radio school. Oh yeah. Come up and you would have seen it. And they'll be like, oh my God, they're making me clean the Roadrunner, Or like, when am I going to get to do a show on air? Like we thought we were going to come up and get the night show. And it was like, why, the, <laughs> why would you be getting the night show when these guys are rating number one and they've been here for eight years. Like you got to earn your stripes. Like Mm -hmm. you can't just, although it does kind of happen now because there aren't as many um, local radio shows that people do go straight into a network, but you used to have to like work your ass off to get like, when I went from Wadadapa to the edge, it was unheard of. Like that didn't happen. And when I said that was my goal, I remember people saying, you need to have a more realistic goal. So <laughs> I, like, I want to be at the edge by the time I was 25. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you start in a province, which is Wairarapa. Then you went to a regional, which is like Palmy. And then maybe one day, if you were lucky enough, you were on a metro, which was the net, the nationwide, like the networks, like the yeah. edge. And I was like, oh, okay. And then um, I remember people saying that I wouldn't, I needed a more realistic goal. And then six months later, I got my job and I was oh like, God. and I was yes. 20 and I was so yes. pumped. Um, but also I was already on Leon, our big boss's radar because mm-hmm. I would email him and say, I want to work for you one day. I love the edge. What can I do? Like, yes. tell me what I got to do to get to you. And he'd be like, hey, record me some audio of you reading the news. Hey, uh, I'd be like, what does this ear check sound like? Mm-hmm. And he always had time to listen and he had um time to actually give me a go at stuff 
And yeah. that was something I really latched onto. Um, but my friend Ross, actually, he showed me a video when I, we were talking about it one day about this new era of people like wanting everything straight away and not wanting to work for it. Mm-hmm. And um, it was basically that there's a whole generation that have been told you can be anything that you want to be. You can be anything you want to be. If you want it, you go get it, blah, blah, blah. But they miss out the end of the sentence, which is you can be anything you want to be. You can do anything that you want to do. You just have to work really hard for it mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. start from the bottom to the top. And that part of the sentence has kind of been left off. So I always like say to people, I'm like, attitude is everything. Like mm-hmm. awesome. If you're the top of your class in radio school, but I've seen landscapers that have self-taught themselves pro tools get something over a number one radio school person because of their attitude. And now they're one of the top engineers in the company. Mm-hmm. And it's attitude is everything. If it comes down to the number one person in the class or the person that's in the bottom of the class, but they passed and they've got a great attitude, they're going to choose the person with the great attitude because mm-hmm. that is everything. Mm-hmm. And I look around the edge now and Every single person that works on our station has started from the bottom and worked their ways up, their way up. Mm-hmm. Cal mm-hmm. from the night show, uh, he's been, I can't remember how many years. I think he's been here like four years, but he literally, him and um, this girl Raina, who is um, working in digital, mm-hmm. they literally worked for free. Oh, and Caleb, who works um, for our podcast department, they worked for free during COVID. Like they came in and worked a full-time job for free because they were like, the next time a job comes up, I want it. And so I Mm. want you to see how bad I want it. And they literally, we felt so bad because we were like, why? And like bosses would try and would be able to like pay them where they could, Mm. but they literally worked for free and they worked their asses off. They were first at work, last to leave. And now they've all got great jobs and their dreams have come true because they worked really hard. Mm. I, I think, yeah, that is just incredible. And that that work ethic, that that attitude and knowing what you want and not letting people tell you what you can and can't have. Like it's it's your life. If you want something, you have got to be the one to make it happen. Like it was mm-hmm. the same for me. I really wanted to be on air. And I remember I would email Clint every week and it'd be like I'll do it I'll do it and he would always email saying we need someone for the Saturday we need you know a casual for this day this day and I'd always say I'll do it I'll do it I'll do it and it felt like forever and obviously eventually I got my shot but it wasn't from lack of trying it was constant pestering and annoying via email or even talking to him and yeah he was the gatekeeper yeah (laughs) so so when when that one shot happened. I was like, I'm not going to ruin this. I'm going to do everything I can to, to turn this one opportunity. I sound like Eminem to turn this one opportunity into what will be a successful career. And totally. And that's, that's the, that's the thing, right? There were people like you and they got the opportunities and they went for it. Then there's other people that They'd be like, hey, we've got the shift on the weekend. And these are the people that are always like, oh, I want to be on a show and blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, here's a shift. Oh, I can't do that. I've got a party the night before. I'm going to be really hungover. So they could go to the party and just have a few drinks and go home early and be mm-hmm. good for the shift or mm-hmm. not drink. Mm-hmm. But they're like, no, I'm going to get wasted instead of my dream. Like, I striving for my dream. And that's, I mean, that's a thing that you kind of have to learn as well. Mm-hmm. And with 
announcing jobs, there definitely comes a point, especially now that it's all videoed and you're more recognizable, where you have to make a choice between full bender or oh bender. yeah i <laughs> did i did not i did not party like in in that yeah. time i definitely partied. don't get me wrong <laughs> i definitely partied but i was um you're smart about it <laughs> yeah i i knew that i would never show my if i had partied on the weekend it was never gonna affect my job on monday mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And that was, yeah. And that's like a big, a big thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, one of, uh, uh, you know, you had this dream and, and it's still your, your dream and you love it and you live it every day. Unfortunately for me, when I actually got to where I wanted to get to, I realized pretty quickly it wasn't where I wanted to be. And I think there's power in that as well is mm-hmm. knowing yourself and owning what you, you do want. And if that changes, then going with that. And I remember one of the things that helped me to, I guess, have this awareness was a bender. My boyfriend at the time had just bought his first <laughs> house. His his um, siblings took us out. We drank like all night. And this was when I was in Palmerston North on the breakfast show. And the bo- the guys, because I worked on a three-person show, one of them was in his like mid-30s. The other one was in his mid-50s. And they said to me, Janelle, you are better to us if you come to work than if you're at home whether you're sick or hungover or whatever, like if you, if you, if you're even not a hundred percent, just come to work anyway, cause we can have fun with it. And I remember I came into work. So one, I came in late, but I came in late and so hungover. I don't even think I could drive myself to work that day. And I spent most of the show on the floor and I was laying there and I was like, one, this is not great. This is not good work ethic, but also two, I don't really care that I'm behaving this way. Something needs to change. Yeah. And it's when we can, I guess, reflect and look at ourselves and be like, why Why am I doing this? Or why did I allow this to happen? Is it just a once-off? Fine. Is it because I'm actually not enjoying where I'm at, my career, this path? Okay, cool. Let's change it. Now, for you, as someone who is in a, a career or, you know, up until this point is, is in a career that you love, mm-hmm. I know it's not always easy. You just use the example of COVID, like challenging times have happened. Yeah. What keeps you going when it gets really hard? And and have you ever questioned, like, is this career for me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. I tried to quit last year. Um, Did you? Yeah. I just wasn't, yeah, I just wasn't very happy. And um, I tried, like, I, I, I fully went in and was like, I just don't want to do this anymore. And um, maybe I should do this instead because I knew that I had time on my contract. And um, my boss, Leon, was like, that's a really lovely suggestion. But how about we figure out how to make you enjoy it Mm. instead Mm -hmm. of just throwing it in and then see how you feel? Mm -hmm. I was like, huh, that's a good idea. And so we did. And I ended up falling in love with it all over again, but I've oh. definitely had those moments. Um, I think I, I like, it was really lucky. Uh, like when I had my maternity leave, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed not having to mine my life for content all the time mm. um, because that does get exhausting where I'm just like, fuck, I just want to go out and not having the back of my mind. Oh, that's a good phone topic. Or that's this and that's that. Definitely. And so I've kind of like, as I've gotten older, 
I've stopped doing that. Like, it, like if something comes up naturally, I'm like, oh, that's good. I'll write it down. But I'm not as actively like constantly scanning for like ideas, mm-hmm. which I used to. I, I'm starting to learn to switch it off and just not like I care and I love it. Mm. Not my whole life. Totally. And I think for a really long time, it was unhealthily my entire life. And I think that that also made it hard probably for people that I worked with because I cared too much and I was an absolute control freak Mm. and now I'm like oh well like I hate parody songs I've written two parody songs this year I fucking hate them whereas like John and then used to when I switch John and then I'd be like no not another parody song blah 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 and they'd be like they're fun like Mm. we're not gonna ruin ruin everything for a fucking one minute you know totally and I was like oh yeah and I look back now and I I've said to Jono and, and to Ben I'm like fuck I'm so sorry I was such a control freak I must have been absolute punished to work with like I'm so sorry and Jono just laughs and, and they and they don't care at all but I am like fuck Sharon like you sucked the fun out of so much stuff when you didn't need to mm. and so I think now I'm really really enjoying my job because especially with Steph and Nixon, we've been friends for like, Nixon and I have been friends almost 20 years. Steph and I have known each other almost 15 years. I trained Steph, like yes. my friend's little sister. And I think it's really good because we know each other so well that we can have very blunt conversations and it's not a thing. It doesn't escalate into something terrible or awkward. We can really communicate with each other and we really trust each other that I can be like, yeah, all good. Like whatever, it's mm-hmm. hey, let's try it. Whereas in the past, you're like, no, mm-hmm. we absolutely cannot try that. Like, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, yeah, let's try it. Let's see what happens. And most of the time, turns out to be fucking awesome. Like mm-hmm. on Friday, Steve wanted to go and do this thing on the street, and I was like, oh, I don't know, my glands are swollen. I want to go stand out in the rain, and I, I was like, oh, you know, all the show sound shit, and like blah blah. And then I was like, fuck it, let's, I'll come, I'll come. And um, we went. I had an amazing time. And I loved it. And it was Mm -hmm. so cool. And I think it's totally natural to have those moments of like, fuck, should I even be doing this anymore? Mm. But the one thing I always come back to, I always do like pros and cons. Every time I do a a contract, I always talk to my husband about it, talk to my agent about it. And it's like, well, if I don't do this, what else could I do? Mm -hmm. How could I make an income doing that? Like, would I be happy doing that or do I still want to do this for a bit? Mm. I'm definitely at the point of my career now where I want to go out on the crest of the wave. I want to go out totally loving it. I don't want to go out where people have started to be like, oh, she's too old. She's past it. Blah, blah, blah. I don't want that. I want to go out on my own accord when I want to. And Mm -hmm. I think I'm starting to like future plan myself Mm. and when I come off the edge will I work for another radio station I don't know will I go Mm. behind the scenes I don't know Mm. will I try and do tv no tv's (laughs) so I'm fucking stable so I don't know will I go into consulting I don't know but at the moment I'm really enjoying what I'm doing Mm. and for the next three years I've signed a contract anyway so I can either choose to love it or hate it Mm. I'm not going to waste my emotions by hating it I'm going to have the best time doing something I dreamed of since I was a kid 
Absolutely. And I think that's the key word and what you've shared is around like the joy, finding the joy in it, creating the joy in it, remembering the joy and, and always striving for that. I'm curious to know when you had this moment last year of, is this for me? I want to quit. Was that potentially self-sabotaging yourself or was that just like a, a, and I'm done, I'm so exhausted. I've got nothing left to give kind of thing. Good question. I think I think it was a combination. I think I wasn't mentally well. I think I was exhausted. I was learning how to work with having two kids Mm -hmm. and working with one kid in comparison to working with two kids, it's a whole new ball game. There's so many more balls to juggle. And Mm -hmm. especially because um, my youngest was premature, gets sick really easily. Um, And it was a lot also for my husband at home to have to, juggled two kids at the most stressful part of the day yeah. um, so it was I felt like I was doing a radio show but I'm on my phone at the same time trying to like make be mom my home life good mm-hmm. and I got to a point where I was like if I'm gonna spend and miss out on time with my boys I'm not gonna choose something that I dread doing mm-hmm. and I think I was really missing my kids like coming back after coming back to work after maternity leave, it's so natural to feel really insecure. Mm. And I think that played on my mind quite a lot. And just it just got to the point where I was like, I am going to destroy myself if I don't change something. And mm. the thing that I loved the most was no longer my job. Mm. Whereas it used to be the thing I loved the most. But I do love it. It's definitely in my top five, but Loved. I don't love it more than my brain. And I don't love it more than I love my kids and my husband. Yes. So, and I was like, it's affecting the way that I am at home. And mm. that's not the one. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Thank you very much for sharing that. <laughs> now, just, I just stand that for a second longer. When Leon posed you with, well, let's, you know, see what we can do to, to make it better. And then you said you fell back in love with it. Can you share some of the things that changed or some of the, the new things that you did or different things that you did that helped you to fall back in love with it again? I think I just, I started going to therapy quite regularly Mm. again. Um, I had a lot of conversations where like had some like awkward conversations that needed to be had I we started doing um weekly coaching with um Jason Royal who's awesome and I just really appreciate like having that extra like person to like bounce ideas off Mm -hmm. and I think I just started to kind of enjoy it more because that's what Leon said to me he was like one thing I really want you to do is I want you to chill out and Mm. stop taking it so seriously he was like if you're not having fun no one else is having fun so you need to just no you no one's gonna die if you do something that doesn't go well on air so just go in there smile relax and have fun which is the catchphrase he said to me since I was 20 and now I'm almost I'm 37 he said it to me for 17 years and he's like you just have to have fun Mm -hmm. and if you're still not having fun then we can talk about you not doing it anymore. But I think that was the biggest thing was like, he was like, you need to, you need to like just 
find your joy in it again. And I think, and him and I had a lot of DMs. I think it's really important to like have a boss that you have a good open communication with how you feel. Oh, sure. And I, I do feel like I have that with both my content director, Casey. I've literally watched Casey go from love and, Casey and mm. turn to boss. Mm. Like, I just think he is so massively inspirational to like every intern that comes in. I'm like, you could be him one day. He mm. was you. And now mm. he's the boss mm. and did it in 15 years. It's pretty amazing. That like, is. I, I remember his first day. I'd been there two weeks longer. So technically I know more. <laughs> but I remember his first day and how hard he worked. Same with Clint. I remember Clint from ZM's first day and seeing how hard he worked. And, and so many people are like that. Um, Marty, who's now the boss of Flavor, remember him being a 15-year-old that used to get um, Helena from the promo department's coffee and clean out the fridge and stuff. And now he's the boss of a radio station and he's always had a great attitude. Um, but I think just having that open communication with Casey and Leon um, was really helpful. I think being able to be vulnerable in front of your bosses is helpful. Like, I mean, you don't want to ring them crying all the time, but mm. I definitely had, I've definitely had conversations where I've been crying on the phone and, and Leon's kind of like talked me down, you know, cause I get panicky. I had a panic mm. attack a couple of weeks ago at work and Leon sat in an office with me for half an hour and kind of like talked me through it and it was great. Um, so I think just having open communication with your boss really helps you find your joy because it doesn't let your brain overdo it if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's really easy for us to, to hide that from our managers or from our bosses, because we're, you know, we're trying to be perfect or seem like we've got it all together. Like we know what we're doing, but they can't help you if they don't know where you're at. And also yeah. they can't help you if they don't know what you want. Like I, I do quite a lot of professional development in organizations. And um, I went and sat down with a manager who's got a team of five female employees. And I said to him, I was like, where do they all want to be in five years? And he's like, honestly, I've never asked them. Yeah. And I said, one, that's bad. You've never asked, but two, that's bad. They've never told you. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a conversation I've always had. And Leon was really good with us when he was our content director was like, what are your goals? And then like, when we, before we started this show, Casey sat us down and was like, what are our goals for this show? What do we want to do? And every time we kind of get off track, he was like, remember, these are what our goals are. And it's, mm. It kind of keeps you going in your brain and and that's so helpful. Like goal setting is vital. Otherwise you're just getting up and doing Groundhog Day. You know, you it's important to have something that you're working towards and know what you want to achieve and what amount of time. And if you don't get it, that doesn't matter. Totally. The fact that you tried, and that's what I say to my kids all the time. I'm like, you need to work hard and you won't always win. But as long as you try, that's literally all that matters. Mm -hmm. Like that is all that matters. And it's really hard. I mean, fuck, you look at the All Blacks of the Rugby World Cup and like Sam Kane, for example, one of the kindest, hardest working people ever who did not deserve such a cruel card to be dealt to him, pardon mm -hmm. the pun. But that's what I said to Tyson. I was like, he's going to be super gutted that he's lost, but 
the fact that they tried so hard to the end, that whole team, and they didn't give up, that's what it's all about. Absolutely. You won't Mm -hmm. always win, but in my eyes, they won. Still winners. Mm. Yeah. Mm. They didn't give up, and that's all that matters. You just got to keep going, putting one foot in front of the other. If it doesn't work anymore, pivot. Most definitely. And so I love that you've already kind of talked to, you know, yeah, you're here now and you're obviously making the most of it now, but who knows where you'll be in the next three or five years kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. that is so exciting. And in a way, it does help you to appreciate every day to know that like this isn't forever. And there's this also isn't the end for me you know there, there's more things to come so yeah speaking of goals yeah. I really am curious what are some of your goals whether it's personal or professional as long as you're you know comfortable to share mm. tell us what are you what are you working through oh well <laughs> my goal is uh first of all is to have very clear boundaries which sounds like a very weird goal but for me I've always been like yeah 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 like people pleaser so I have very clear boundaries now and I've said things to like bosses where I'm like I will never be in the same building as that person or whatever like if that happens like you have to let me leave or whatever Mm -hmm. um without going into specifics yeah, that's cool. <laughs> but I'm never going to put myself in an unhealthy situation and that's a big goal for me is if I'm ever in an unhealthy situation then I'm gonna remove myself from it and that's in every aspect friendships work home everything um there so basically my I guess really working on my mental health and getting my mental health to a really strong spot Mm. also I want to take this show back to number one where it belongs where it used to be um so I want to get this show back to number one and I want to do that with Stephen Nixon I would absolutely love to win um either the Blackie Award which is for best radio moment of the year at the radio awards yes or my ultimate goal is i would love to win um the sir paul holmes award mm-hmm. um which is for broadcaster of the year but they're really fucking hard to win so <laughs> <laughs> they're really hard to win and i have to get up every morning and see four of them sitting on my sideboard that my husband has won and um so i would really like to uh, to put one up there as well um because the one that John Ben and I won. I was on maternity leave. So technically I didn't win that one. And we tied with another show. So I would really like to to win that. Um, but I think also remembering that accolades aren't everything. I've done this job for 18 years and I've won one radio award. So <laughs> it's not the be all and fucking end all, you know? Um, so those would be my goals is to win those, win those awards, to get to number one, to be happy mm. and never let people cross my boundaries beautiful (laughs) and I don't at all think a goal of uh, not only setting but like sticking to boundaries that is an incredible goal that more of us need to have on our yeah it's so freaking hard Mm -hmm. um but it helps when you take some time to you know sit down think of boundaries set them and then and then practice them that's all you're doing right is practicing them and you'll meet with opportunities where you can either follow your boundaries or you can cave and resent it later amen amen (laughs) oh 
Sharon, this has been incredible. I am just in awe of how open you've been with me and with us throughout this episode. And I know that it's really going to help some people. I just have one more thing. Okay. When you're in your dream career, because that's what this podcast is about. It's about confidence. It's about career. Whether you're in employment or self-employment, it doesn't matter, but it's about feeling empowered each day and confident in what you're doing. And I'm aware that not everybody knows that feeling. Yeah. So what does it feel like? Like, can you try and paint a picture, even just for one moment in time, of what it's like to be in your dream career? Oh, um, surreal. If that, I don't know if that's a good enough word, but surreal. (laughs) I used to, I remember the first time I met JJ Feeney and I cried because I was so excited. I'd grown up listening to her and I loved her. My body clock was set around scandal at five to the hour. And it's not lost on me that I do scandal every day. And I'm like, that used to be my body clock. When they moved scandal from five to the hour to half past the hour, I was reading the news on Judge Mike and Dom's show. And I kept going in for the news at the wrong time because I was used to scandal being at five two, and I was going in and doing trying to do the news at seven thirty instead of the top of the hour. Yeah. Um, so I think surreal, grateful, and I don't know. Like I'm looking around now, and I'm like, "Fuck, this is buzzy." But I don't <laughs> think that's a very good um, answer. But yeah, fuck, it's buzzy. Yeah, yeah. No, I <laughs> but love yeah, that. I think I think it's very surreal very grateful and yeah I think that's Mm -hmm. it I always um whenever I see people at work people like hey how's it going I'm like living the dream babes living the dream and people always think I'm just um trying to say something funny but whenever I say living the dream babes living the dream it's me reminding myself that I'm living the dream this is what I always wanted and to be grateful for it and mm. not forget that this was everything I ever wanted. And yeah, Moses is like living the dream. And I'll even say like, if I'm having a bad brain day with like my mental health, I may say it sarcastically, but I'm also forcing myself to say it to drive that thought back into my head. Mm-hmm. So I might be like, living the dream, babes, living the dream, living the dream. This is living the dream. And <laughs> people might be like, fuck, okay. But that's still me reminding myself that I'm living my dream mm-hmm. so it's mm-hmm. just a weird like repeating it back to yourself no you've got to you've got to affirm it you've got to take it from you know you've got to take it deep there into the subconscious yeah. to remind yourself sometimes I, I yeah. so hear it's you it's easy and- to stop being grateful for something and our job is such such a privilege like and my husband and I do the same job so it's um whenever one of us is bitching we're like Remember your job is a privilege. You could be digging digging a ditch right now. Mm, You're like, mm-hmm. okay. You're like yeah. our job is to have fun. Absolutely. Okay. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> it is so cool. Do you um I just want to fact check something quickly. Mm-hmm. Have you ever interviewed Dr. Libby? Multiple times. Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure. So you were just talking about how you cried meeting JJ. I'm pretty sure that the day I met Dr. Libby was 
I, I feel like you had been interviewing her and she just released a new book. And I've met, I'd at this time meet all these celebrities yes, and see Ed Sheeran. And, and, yeah. and you were like, oh, like Dr. Libby. And I was like, oh my God, like she's amazing. And then you introduced me to her and I just remember crying. And I was just like, so I felt so grateful to meet Dr. Libby. Yeah. And do you know what? She put me on her book list and she sent me her books while I used to work in, uh, in more FM down in Palmy. And she would always write the, you know, the most loveliest things. And I just remember like that first time I ever met Dr. Libby at the edge, I cried like a little baby. Yeah. I met all these other celebrities <laughs> and I didn't care, but Dr. Libby, she just got me, you know? Yeah. So thank you for making that opportunity available hey, to not me. A problem. <laughs> Nothing wrong with cr- like crying. I cried, but I met Joe Cotton when she was in true bliss. Cause I'd never met a celebrity apart from the top twins so I cried when I met her and I cried after my I interviewed John Kerwin because it was and we did a 13 minute voice break which is very bad it's supposed to only be three minutes but. agreed agreed oh. you know my, my first ever Saturday show I did a nine minute voice break no one told <laughs> me no one told me that you're not supposed to talk for longer than you know a couple of minutes and on you know on a weekend maybe like 30 seconds I did a nine minute Oh my God, I didn't know that. And that is amazing. (laughs) Why did they ever let me on here again? (laughs) Fuck, that's good. Don't tell Leon. I love that. Great job, babes. Thank you so much for being on the show, Sharon. I really appreciate it. And if you want more of Sharon, follow her Instagram. Her content is amazing, so relatable, so real. And then you get to see a little kiddos in there as well. And then obviously you can listen to the Edge Afternoons. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. I'm extremely proud of you. And it's awesome to see you sitting there glowing and so happy. I'm really hot because I'm I'm not nervous, but I'm just like so excited. You know what oh I mean? Oh my God, I usually sweat. This is like one of the first times I haven't sweated during an interview. One time I did an interview with this guy and afterwards I was drenched in sweat. It was awful. What, I hate, who, yeah. who was the person? Were they like someone worth sweating over? <laughs> No, they weren't. It was what? just, uh, they, I think I was just intimidated because they were like a very professional journalist and I was oh, like yes. a very not. Mm. Yeah, it was just weird. Mm. 